This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Bacon Sale. You guys, I have a surprise for you. I made a Bacon Cell movie, and it was a huge success. Critics love it. Slackjawed yokels loved it. What? And the studio loved it so much that they asked me to do a sequel, which I've got to go do right now. I'm famous. I don't need this podcast anymore. Wait. See you, suckers. Hey. Joel, come back. Oh, hey, guys, I'm back. Turns out the public did not want to see want the sequel to be about half-bionic podcasters who ride cool neon scooters as they record. <laughs> Looks like I'm back for good. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Zach? <laughs> who knew? Welcome to Big Cell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And I'm Zach. We'd like to thank you for listening to our last show, our barbecue grilling backyard barbecue? show. Fix it. Can I get real a second? Yeah. For just a millisecond. Well, you have that accent the whole time. <laughs> uh, I was honestly shocked that so many people listened to this episode Wait, because why? of the holiday. Oh, yeah. In America. We know that we, when we show, put out Monday holiday shows, they're going to be a little bit we less. We have a lot of foreign listener, apparently, because there was a lot of listens and a lot of comments. Mm-hmm. And I just really appreciate you all. So I'm going to try and get, I'm going to have a couple extra than usual. But initially, I just want to shout out everybody who played along. There was so many people, especially on Twitter, who put on their own lists mm-hmm. and played along with us. We honestly love that so much with category and tiering shows. Thank you for doing that. Yes. Uh, but specifically, let's call out Valerie Ilgath, who said, I listened to this episode while getting my patio ready for a backyard barbecue, so this was a great episode. Hmm. You guys inspired some menu changes. Oh, I'm so sorry. There we go. She said, I added lemonade to our drink options nice. and reduced the amount of pasta salad I plan to serve. <laughs> Uh, Ashley Helstern says, Zach coming in clutch with all the jokes this episode. Yeah, I'm very my, funny. My real and dad jokes. Uh, Sam Ma said, what a perfect bacon sale episode. I turned it on in the car as we traveled to various holiday gatherings and had a blast playing along with my family and hearing my kids giggle at your jokes. Thanks for making our 4th of July even better. Nice. Yeah. He also says, at Tumbling Mustard, my eight-year-old loves mayonnaise more than anything, and he approves of all your mayo usage. Oh. Awesome. I've got a... There was a, a lot of Zach validation, which I'm not comfortable I with. Got, I got a kid on my <laughs> side. It's all mayo-centered. That's great. Uh, Rachel Crump said, currently eating brats because of bacon sale. Hey. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. And then finally, Joshua Wallace says, I might not trust what people put in their pasta salads, but I love sampling them all like I'm a master chef judge ready to send Aunt Edna home for putting Cheez-Its and raisins in her pasta salad. (laughs) Accurate. I want to share one thing kind of that wasn't on social media. It was a private text I got. Uh Uh-huh. All I got was the. You're allowed uh, to do that. I, yeah, I got an I got an animated gif of for my sister in law Kelsey, and it was just someone angry, like "How dare you" or something like that. But it was like, "Really, pasta salad?" And she got mad at me for not liking pasta Does she salad. Make the pasta salad. Well, she's from my wife's side of the family. She's my wife's little sister. Yeah. Who they eat a lot of pasta salad at their parties, and I said, "Oh, really?" I said, "Why don't you ask your husband his opinion on pasta salad?" <laughs> And she put sent back a crying emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was a gamble, and I yeah. won. <laughs> but that made me laugh. That's awesome. Yes, but that's not what we're talking about today. No. Once again, what are we talking about today, Zach? Well, we're talking one hit wonder <gasps> directors. You yeah, know, no singing this episode. I was going to say musical that, artists. Oh. Musical artists get all the glory for being right. a one hit wonder. Glory or blame? Because it's kind of a joke, right? Kind it's of. It's like, oh, that band. They're so kitschy. But at the same time, we do whole whole entire episodes about these we one do. hit wonders. Yeah. yeah. So, so we don't get to talk about Aqua on this show? No, not on this one. No, darn Toy like, Box, though. I have many Ooh. movies. I wish. Save for our Aqua versus Toy Box show. Yeah, please. Please, no. <laughs> but we are going to be talking about movies. So we're going to be talking about one hit wonder directors. Yeah. yeah. These are directors who either only made one movie or only made one good movie. Depends on how you kind of That's where there might be some debate on this show. You might suggest a director that I'm like, wait a minute, their other movie was great. Uh, but yeah, it well, could just be guys who were like, peace, I'm out. I made yeah. my one movie. 
I mean, in, in fairness, too, it's like if Joel says a director where I feel like they made better movies, I'm going to argue with that. Yes. But you're going to argue with I, Joel. I, mean, I know this. Well, not with you, Zach. Thank you. Never you. I knew it. Thank you. You're you finally have, saying your inside words out loud, boys. <laughs> you have Matt's but, on your side. No, but, but in fairness, we're going to list like the rest of their movies as well, because this is for the listener to hear. Hey, wait, but they made that movie, too. So you're totally off. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we may disprove our own point. And I want to clarify that we, we so we each have five directors that we've chosen, mm-hmm. but we also have to bring up some backups because we're not allowed to copy each other's answer. Because we'll be in agreement for a lot of this, yeah. I think. There's there's a lot of lists out there that are like, oh, these are the one-hit wonder directors. Yeah. I'm sure we probably both we prob- we all I would guarantee those. we all looked at the same lists. I but unlike you guys, ones. I had to pick ones of you know movies I'd actually seen. Right. Nah. Yeah. And I, I wanted to go with more. And, and that's the thing is I didn't want to pick ones that were like one-hit wonder, like very small circles. I wanted to choose like big hits. Sure. Movies you've heard. And I think that's the point here is that maybe people listening don't know directors specifically, but I think a lot of these directors, you're at least going to know the movie and often the director gained a lot of prominence because of the movie. Yes. Yeah. A director is the boss of the movie. And yes. so if it fails, it's his fault. And if it wins, it's his game. Yeah. So I'm going to start off one with maybe a controversial choice, but I think you guys might agree with me. Okay. My pick for one hit wonder director. Don't pick okay. mine. Don't pick mine. Don't pick mine. Irvin Kirshner. What? If you don't know who Irvin Kirshner is, maybe, maybe you've heard of a little movie called The Empire Strikes Back. That's right. The second film in the original trilogy of Star Wars was directed by Irvin Kirshner, who has I mean, 32 well, director credits was on his IMDb page. one name, though. Irvin Kirshner. Irvin Kirshner. Okay, I, uh, I will refute this. I'll let you finish. Okay. So, <laughs> Thanks, and I, Kanye. I, I actually figured Zach would refute this. You know why. You know why. I know why. He actually can't. So, like I, I said, why. he has 32 director credits on IMDb, but only 15 of those are feature films. Now, I'm going to read through his feature films fairly quickly. Are you ready? Stakeout on Dope Street. Isn't that one? Young Captives. Hoodlum Priest. Face in the Rain. The Luck of Ginger Coffee. A Fine Madness. The Flim Flam Man. Loving. Up the Sandbach. Spies. And it's with an asterisk between each letter. S mm-hmm. asterisk P asterisk Y asterisk S. The Return of a Man Called Horse. <laughs> Eyes of Lara Mars. Then Empire Strikes Back. And then after he became big, he made two more movies, Kent. He did. Never Say Never Again and RoboCop. But Robo- RoboCop. No, 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 no. Two. Robo- RoboCop yeah, Robo- 2. Yeah, sorry. Not, uh, RoboCop, RoboCop 2. RoboCop 2. RoboCop 2. That was close, everybody. Yes. <laughs> Never Say Never Again being the one of the weakest James Bond films out there. And RoboCop 2. Does anyone remember RoboCop 2? I Anything remember it because it's more action-centered and less parody-like than the first one. But right. I was a kid when I watched it. so His really highest-grossing movie of all the ones he made was, of course, Empire Strikes Back with $549 million. And his best rated on IMDb, also Empire Strikes Back, 8.7. Now, he died in 2010. And so to not make a movie since RoboCop 2 seemed a little weird to me, but I think he just kind of retired. The reason he got the job... It's a crazy story. But I'm, I'm going to boil it down to a very a simple okay. explanation here. He was a teacher. He was a film teacher at the University of Southern California at USC, and George Lucas knew him as a teacher. And so he said, hey, I think you should direct with this film, my second film of this franchise. And Irvin Kirshner said, why me? And he said, and George Lucas said to him, because you know everything a Hollywood director is supposed to know, but you're not Hollywood. And he's pretty cool. Like he knew all the techniques, he knew all the styles, what makes a blockbuster. He truly It just seems like an odd somehow choice. did. It's almost like he was given a budget for the first time ever and given the confidence of a wide release, even though 
I'd be terrified to follow up Star Wars. I would too. In fact, he did not want to do it. Right. He avoided a lunch with him. Like he didn't want to go talk with him. Then his Irvin Kirshner's agent finally said, just be part of it. And so then he went there, talked to George Lucas, got caught up in the whole thing and said, okay, yeah, I want to do this. And he made the best Star Wars movie. The second best. Best. Uh, Third best. But (laughs) Just take it easy. uh, But he also was offered a chance to direct Return of the Jedi which, by the way, David Lynch was as well. Yeah. So apparently, George Lucas was just trying to find someone. Please, someone take this movie from me. But he finally decided that he did not want to do Return of the Jedi. Well, Empire was a three-year shooting schedule and, and editing post-production. And so, yeah, he's like, I'm done. That's not yeah. for me. Although he did say, Irvin Kirshner did say that he would have accepted an offer to direct any of the prequels, which George Lucas, I found out, planned to release them in 1988 yeah. rather than 1999. Right. So it would have been cool to see him come back. So Irvin Kirshner, I feel like Empire Strikes Back is his one hit wonder. And all his other films are like, Zach, Zach, dispute. Never say never again. One of the worst Bond movies and you know it. And RoboCop 2. Oma Gershner is pretty. No, you're right. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Was that was that what I mean? A Bond movie is. It made it made a splash. Uh, we'll say don't say Bond it's movie. Off brand. It's not even off brand. made a splash. Kurtland Bond. This was it's, as we said in the Bond show. This is the end of Roger Moore's career and the bringing back of Sean Connery. So they no. the way these movies were competing, it was publicity. It, was, but it wasn't a very good movie. No, and it was also I think it was a bomb. Let me double check here. Just look at my notes here. No, it made money. But again, it's but not. Still, yeah, it's not canon no. in the James Bond franchise. It's kind of pushed aside. Right. It's a rehash of an earlier James Bond film. So I'm going to say Zach, is that Kirshner. tier three Bond for you, or is that yeah, tier two? I'll check the episode, but I think it's tier three. I think okay, we all yeah. said tier three, didn't we? Yeah. So, yeah. All right. I, I like the choice, Joel. What do you have, Kent? I have Josh Trank. Oh, Josh Trank. Fan Why do I know stick. that? Fan four stick. That's his one hit. That's his one hit. Everything else has been bad. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Clearly. Oh, I was like, um, in you 20, misunderstood the in, assignment, sir. In 2012, there was this found footage movie that came out of nowhere. This was, oh. this was yeah, still paranormal activity. It was hitting it pretty That's big. Right. But it was still when everyone was kind of tired of it. It's mm-hmm. two years after Cloverfield. And they're like, hey, 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 what about superheroes? What if we do like a Fantastic Four origin story? With uh, found footage. Why are you saying it sound like that? It's actually a good movie. No, here's the thing. The the but the premise is dumb. And honestly, of the movie, the the of the movie Chronicle. There you go. The realization of the found footage is a little ridiculous. Uh, yeah. But what the movie actually is is sensational. Uh, this movie came out of nowhere for me, and I loved I it. I own this one. Me too. Yeah. It's very Ding well Dahan done. in this movie is so good. Well, because Michael B. Jordan discovered in this movie as well. Yeah. And it, you think about it. If you and your buddies back in the day when you were teens all got superpowers. Yeah. You, you, you kind of guess one of them would go bad. Wait, wait. Which one of us? I've been back when we were teens. I don't know you guys in my teens. I'm thinking of my friends when I grew up I was up a really with. nice kid in my teens. I no, can picture who would be the bad years. guy. Me as the bad guy? No, no, I can picture who... Yeah, of course, you'd be the bad guy. <laughs> okay. But I can picture of my friends, if we all got superpowers back in the day when we were kids, who would turn out to be the bad guy? Yeah. Like, just in my mind. No, yeah, totally. And, and it's scary what a kid can do with that kind of power right. when he uses it for evil. If you, if people haven't seen this, granted, it's weird this is a decade old at this point. Oh, wow. It feels low budget, but at the same time, because it's made for $12 million. The found footage, they're always like... They but, have a reason to turn a camera on. But there's big moments. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, here's a here's a government building camera. Yeah. And it's all seamlessly edited together. Uh-huh. It's that part is a bit silly. But the story here is very emotional. It's it's about 
Like a kid just trying to fit in. I just realized I didn't give the synopsis for The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> let's, let's retract that. But this made over $125 million worldwide. So this is a huge success. But what else has Josh Trank done? So then everyone's like, hey, Josh Trank is a whiz kid. What should we have him do? And he's like, um, uh, yeah, Fox is like, hey, we want to reboot Fantastic Four. And uh, we're not really going to let you do anything though film a whole bunch of stuff and we're going to put the movie together because he had a horrible time with hear. this movie and he's before this movie came out he's like that's not my movie on twitter like he really and everyone was savaging the movie at that time and even the actors have said yeah it's not really the movie we filmed it didn't turn out at all i mean as bad as the early 2000s fantastic four movies were this is like a low point for superhero yeah. movies. It's like they even took the, they took the camp out of the bad movie. Yeah. And it made it worse. And the real tragedy here, and I'm not saying he could have redeemed Star Wars at this point, but right when Fantastic Four was being released, he was announced to make a Boba Fett movie. Oh. So Star Wars Celebration, they're like, hey, we're going to make a Rogue One movie. And Josh Trank, director of Chronicle. You guys remember that cool movie? He's going to make Boba Fett. And then Kathleen Kennedy saw... What happened with the release of Fanforstick and said, I don't know about this. And he basically, and he said now, like everyone's like, oh, we got fired. He basically said, I knew I was going to get fired. So I quit. <laughs> He's like, I quit. No, get I just, fired. Take the severance. I know. Take, the, take that Disney severance. And so, yeah, he just basically lost his, I think, a, a big name career at that point. He made Capone that came out two years ago with Tom Hardy that no mm. one saw. Yeah. And so it's, it's pretty sad. Is that um, all he's done, though, is those four films? Or how many films has he actually made? Yeah, just those four. Oh, wow. Well, actually, just those three, and he's made... Every one of these people have made music videos or TV series at yeah. this point, but we're talking feature films. Yes. But yeah, it's it's a sad story, because I do think Josh Trank, given the right kind of maybe direction, uh, and I'm not saying studio direction, but maybe the right collaborative partner, mm. could be a really good director, mm. but he just hasn't been. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Zach? Right. I did way less research than you guys, as per usual. Big so. But the first person I want to bring up uh, is the celebrated director of The Social Network, David Fincher, uh, oh. who did The Social Network and nothing else. He didn't make... Zach? Any, is any, this a Joel joke? What's going on here? It might be a Joel joke. Oh, okay. okay. Like the <laughs> director of Seven, <laughs> no. Zodiac, Gone Girl. <laughs> yeah. David Fincher. Not a one-hit wonder? All hit wonder. I didn't understand the assignment. Yeah. Although it's someone fine. did tell me they get David Lynch and David Fincher mixed up. I do time. all the time. No. I, I, when, when I heard we were doing a David Lynch show, I'm like, nice. The social network guy. <laughs> and it wasn't. It no. Wasn't uh -uh. Not at all. No, mine is a man named James McTeague. He directed 2005's V for Vendetta. Mm -hmm. In a future British dystopian society, a shadowy freedom fighter known only by the alias V plots to overthrow the tyrannical government with the help of a young woman. When did you uh, see you've this? seen these masks around? Yeah, you've, well, the Guy Fox mask, which is much, much older than the movie, but it honestly were made popular by the movie. Um, so this came out in 2005. You asked me when I saw when it. When did you see this movie? Oh, yeah. probably 2009. Okay. Yeah. Nine. And did you instantly like it? No. No, I do right? not like it. It's a slow burn. You, you still don't like I it. I do not like it. You I may like have to give it another chance, but I do not like it. I found it to be a really interesting movie. I think it's, it's trying to be heady to a fault, but uh, I, I enjoy it. And I watch it every... I don't watch it every 5th of November, every Guy Fox day. You don't remember to? Uh, no, I don't. But uh, I, I'll, I'll catch it maybe every three years. And it's a watch. And I think uh, it's got some really interesting style to it. So this was meant to be a Wachowski 
yes. movie. It was the Wachowski siblings movie. Uh, then they ended up producing it, I believe, yes, they, and they, obviously they, over a lot of the uh, choreography and whatnot. They are they are listed as producers, and it definitely has that. Uh, these are the people who made the Matrix feel. Yes. And it it, it seems, and all I'm finding, it really does seem like this uh, James McTeague fella uh, was essentially a uh, stand-in as the role of director with the show, almost like uh, uh, Irma Gershner in in uh, Empire Strikes Back, where it was mostly George Lucas driving. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, he, he comes in, he makes this movie, and it was his directorial debut in 2005 and goes on to... Uh, Ninja Assassin mm-hmm. in 2009 and uh, The Raven yeah, with uh, John, John Cusack. But oh, Alice, yeah. Alice Eve, though. 2012. Alice Eve. I mean, uh, that's uh, Hey, uh, save for a Woman Crush Wednesday sequel. <laughs> oh, yes, please. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, he just really didn't go on to, to do anything after that. Uh, but a fun fact for you. He grew up in Sydney, Australia, Crikey. and he played innocuous man in the Matrix Res- uh, Resurrections, the new one. <laughs> Wait, so that's where his that? career's gone? He's innocuous yeah. man? Yeah. It's the worst now, superhero. He, and this is actually some, uh, a lot of these directors who are one hit in feature films have gone on to direct a lot of uh, TV, whether it be an episode here or there, or, or, or even more so. So he has directed a few episodes of TV shows, but definitely only like a couple feature films and really not gone on to do much, which you would think taking on a project like V for Vendetta, it's like maybe this guy's got something. Maybe he's going to yeah. put on some cool projects and just never really win anywhere. But he did meet Natalie Portman on the set of uh, Attack of the Clones, a movie that he was an assistant director on. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a fun fact. He hasn't done anything. And oh, that's wow. the sad thing is a lot of these directors haven't made anything in over a decade. Yeah. If not, they're if they're not older directors, that is. True. And uh, it's it's sad just to see a well, career end like that. But I mean, also we have to give it time at the same time because if we say someone's one hit wonder, they made like you know one movie last right. year. It's hard to say the one hit wonder yet. Right. All right. What do you have for your fourth, Joel? Well, you know, you already brought up the Wachowskis, so I'm just going to say the Wachowskis for the Matrix. Yeah. I- all right, uh, make the case because I could disprove I this one. I think there's only one that sticks out that I could argue. Based so, on personal preference. So uh, the Wachowskis have seven director credit credits as a duo. I, I'm, I'm clarifying I'm not doing them separately from one another. Uh, the other feature films they have include Bound, then The Matrix, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolution, Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending. You guys, I watched your guys' this descended as it went. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, yeah. Now, their highest grossing film is actually The Matrix Revolutions, the second one in the franchise. Made a lot of money. Matrix Reloaded. With, uh, oh. Oh, yeah. Re- re- reloaded. It's yeah. a lot of Reese, I know. It's Reloaded. <laughs> yes. The second one in the franchise with $741 million. Wow. Now, Matrix only, The Matrix, the original Matrix, only made $466 million, so this peaked up there, and it's because the, I truly believe because how awesome The Matrix was... Everyone to go see Matrix Reloaded, the second movie. I'm just going to call it second movie. Yep. Because that made the most money. And then the third movie actually dropped lower than the first movie at $427 right. million. So, And their highest rated movie on IMDb is The Matrix. It's not Cloud Atlas. Weird. Because no. I understood no, that one. That's the true, true. <laughs> this movie, like uh, backing the Wachowskis up here, they went into writing. Uh, initially, they were just doing film writing. They wrote a script for a movie called Assassins, which was directed by Richard Donner but it was totally rewritten by the time it got to the screen and they wanted their names removed from it. And they said, there's no way we're going to be able to make it in writers if, unless we're directing it too. Otherwise, we can't get our vision out there. But they wrote that script and in the contract, Warner Brothers had them contracted for two more pictures. Mm-hmm. 
So they did Bound, uh, which was a mild success. Yeah. With critics. Uh, critics indie like movie. The, yeah, very indie. Best, yes. Critics liked the best. But then they said, okay, we're now going to make The Matrix. And boom, what a movie. Right. Gra- like just earth changing. Changed cinema. Yeah, totally. Amazing. Like the way you look at movies, the way the movies are told, this movie did so much. And then... Should we call it one note, one like one hit, one note directors? No, because I, I even feel like the first Matrix movie is put on this pedestal. This pinnacle is like that is their number one hit. Yeah. And then you see the other ones, you're like, uh, I don't really want to watch that one again because I like the first one so much. And this right. one kind of ruins it. I mean, we, we often say that there's only one Matrix movie. We do. And I, I like Speed Racer. I, I was going to okay, say, I so often that's say the there's one Speed Racer I, movie. I like Speed Racer, but at the same time, <laughs> it's not a great movie. But we, we it's, love it. It's totally Bacon Cell approved. It, it, it's it fun. is the best looking seizure on screen. It is one of my, one of my, I tell people, I don't really believe like Blu-ray changes the way movies are seen. And then I watched this one and I went, oh, wow, that looks so good in Blu-ray. Like this is the one I recommend I feel like watch. it's completely underrated. Yeah, it didn't make a splash. Critically, box office or anything like that. And it's that's cool. why I say it's not a hit. But to put this in musical terms, yes. this would be like, oh, yeah, the deep uh, cut. MC Hammer. I love, I absolutely love You Can't Touch This. And that is his big hit. I also like Adam's Groove, which was the <laughs> song he wrote from Adam's family, you know, and it's completely corny and cheesy. But It's, it's the Havin' Aroni for Vanilla Ice. Yes. Okay. It's that one song that no one really knows, but it's like, it's fun if you listen to it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm making the case for the Wachowskis here being a one-hit wonder director. Duo. I mean, technically, maybe not, but yes, because the other movies made so much money, right? And there was a follow-up with this new Matrix movie. But once again, what's what what is the movie people remember? The first one. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, so there like you go. It. Wachowskis is my my second pick. All right. Hopefully, I didn't steal that from one of you because I was worried I was going to steal it from you, Kent. Uh, all right, Kent. What's your next one? Neil Blomkamp. Neil. Blomkamp. Hey, I talked about him one? recently too. I, no. I will announce first. Steal. Okay. I had him on my. list I was hoping well. I could give this one before someone else stole you, it. You, he was on my alternates. Steal. He is definitely like a quintessential one-hit wonder, which is so sad because you think about debuts for directors, and Neil Blomkamp came out swinging. With District 9. Now, even Great. that movie, like, that's a one-hit wonder. Because it, it, I own this movie. Yes. I think it's a very well-done movie. I think more people should see it. Because not a lot of people have. You say District 9, and people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, it's what? good. Really? It's, I don't think it's as popular as, as uh, some of these other movies. It's so weird. Best. So when it came out, it was nominated for Best Picture. Yes. For the kind of movie it was? A sci-fi, South African sci-fi movie. Yeah, visual effects, editing, and adapted screenplay. And it just made a ton of money. And it, you couldn't understand anything the characters were saying, mm-hmm. even if they were aliens or South African. Yeah. My name's Vikas. <laughs> yeah. I need to watch this one again. You and do. I wonder if it holds up. It was filmed for like $25 million, which seems strange. But it, it made a ton of money. I will say that... that was South African dollars. Yeah. So, okay. There you go. It's worth... Yeah. I, I don't somehow. know the conversion yes. rate, but yeah. Neil Blomkamp actually uh, had a little bit of prominence before, just in like nerd circles. Like he made a... Uh, short for halo mm-hmm. and so peter jackson before district nine said hey halo would be pretty profitable what up mean yeah you want to make a halo, you movie? Make a halo movie and uh and they're like yeah let's do it and so everyone was getting really excited this is right about the time of halo 3 and they're like let's make this movie it's gonna make so much money the studio's like nah video game movies are bad we're not gonna fund this whatsoever but kent yes he also made some other movies so he did uh yeah like elysium Elysium. Matt Damon. Yeah. Matt Damon. And Chappie. With Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. And Diantward. Or Word. It's a horrible South African rap group. 
Oh, and yeah. they're the main stars. Yeah, that's right. and he recently came out with a movie came out last year called Demonic, which is horrible. It's bad. It's sort of like mess up bad horror already. Hmm. He somehow did, and this is why I have no faith in the guy. Granted, he's still kind of getting offers for jobs, not getting a lot of jobs, but still, Elysium was the first disappointment I had because I was like, ooh. High concept sci-fi with Matt Damon, and it was just really overly preachy. But that is his highest-grossing movie. Yeah, is it Elysium over District Nine? Mm-hmm. But District Nine is his highest-rated on IMDb. But like he was so. This is Neil Blomkamp. He was so big at the time. Time Magazine named him one of the 100 most influential people of 2009. Wow, ridiculous! And then in 2015, he's still kind of popular because he he came out chappy and people were like, I don't like that, but I like your high-concept sci-fi stuff. And so he was, was announced. Chappie the boxing robots one? No, no, no. No, no. Oh, that was real steel. That's real steel, yeah. Chappie was like a ghetto robot that isn't Johnny Five. Okay. It's horrible. I hate it so much. But in 2015. Would you recommend Elysium, though? No. Okay. Oh, uh, 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 hold on. Uh, okay, okay, there we go. Get but in 2015, he'd announced that he was going to make a alien sequel, like a legit alien sequel. Like with, a Xenomorphs? Yeah, with Sigourney Weaver and oh, Michael wow. Bean. Oh, wow. Somehow, okay. Wait, but, Michael Bean or Mr. Bean? Uh, Michael. Well, you can call him Mr. Okay. Uh, but it's called Alien Awakening. And then Fox is like, a year later, they're like, uh, we don't really want you to make that movie. And they were having their own issues with like uh, Covenant and Prometheus mm. as well. And so they canceled that one. He, he is now currently tapped to be the director of, of PlayStation Studios. Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo, which is about a teenage Gran Turismo player who uses his skills in the real world. Driving? An Ender's game, but with cars. His driving skills? Yeah, the, the skills he learned from playing video games, which, I'll be honest, I learned how to drive from Gran Turismo. Yeah. They're not going to make a movie about me, though. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> jet Moto? Give I'll be time, in that man. movie. <laughs> yeah. If I can drive a Jet Moto. Oh, man. I'll jet Moto 2. Oh, Jet Moto 2 is so good. Save it for our PlayStation show that we already did. I already drink so much Mountain Dew. It would be perfect. <laughs> if I ever need to throw a banana in the car, I'm good. <laughs> Mario Kart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Make that movie about Zach. Yeah. So, yeah, Neil Blomkamp. Is a one-hit wonder. That's a good choice. My second pick is a, a gentleman who directed 1964's Marnie. Uh, that'd be Alfred Hitchcock. He made oh, Marnie. That's, that's adorable. And nothing else. Knock it off. I don't like these jokes because I suddenly I, I start believing you and thinking less of you. Oh. Okay. And then I have to remember, <laughs> no, he's joking, and then uh, I'm back to normal. This is it's what just because it, he's trying your method. This of is jokes. what it's like yeah. to be with you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, my next pick is kind of random. I don't. It's Boaz Yakin. This is the guy who directed 2000's Remember the Titans. Oh. Remember the Titans is the true story of a newly appointed African-American coach and his high school team on their first season as a racially integrated unit. Um, He went on to direct uh, Uptown Girls with Brittany Murphy. Oh, I remember the cover of that one. I remember the cover of that one as well. And and, and that's that's, that's about it. Is that it? it? That's about it. Well, it's weird because Remember the Titans was such a, it, a lovable sports movie, right? Yeah. It is. I've actually had One a lot of... One of the greatest of, inspirational sports movies out there. I've I had a say. lot of conversations uh, in uh, my barbershop recently about sports movies, and this one always comes up. It is like the football inspirational movie. And it follows like and a it's perfect well, format it's, for a sports movie yeah, as well. It's well made. Yeah. And, and it somehow... And a great with soundtrack. Messaging. It's yeah. cliche yeah. without feeling cliche. Yes. I really do think it's a well-made movie. And then you look around and go... You didn't do anything else? I mean, and you had... It's, it's not almost like you should have stayed in that genre. Because yeah. in that decade, what, the 2000s? They were huge. They were huge. Everywhere. Yeah. But it's been 22 years and, and nothing. I mean, a couple... 22 years? Oh. Yeah. 2000. That's crazy. So uh, old. Yeah. I feel old. But, but how do you go from directing, you know, uh, uh, this super 
inspirational sports movie to Brittany Murphy's Uptown Girls. Like honestly, that's honestly, that's your yeah. next, that was his next project. And is that his movie. last project? Yeah, I mean, he's had a couple since uh, Death in Love, uh, Safe, Aviva, like nothing you've ever heard of, right? Huh. He doesn't really make features, it seems, anymore. Um, but if, when he was hired to, to direct uh, Remember the Titans, producer Jerry Bruckheimer learned that Yakin didn't know anything about American football. Uh, he then arranged for him to attend a football camp where he picked up just enough information in two weeks to resume uh, working on the movie. It's like, oh, you learned football. You're good now. It's wow. Like, yeah, he had to be sent to football school. Hey, he maybe, did a good job. I was going to say, I wouldn't have guessed. Maybe he needed to be sent to rom-com school. I think we need to go to football career. school, right? To actually learn something about football? Uh, the things I learned from football are from movies. So <laughs> that makes true. sense. Thank you, Boaz Joachim. Welcome well, for going to football school. It's entirely possible that he would have been on a different track. He was set to direct Batman Beyond in the early 2000s. Oh. That project was scrapped. Sure. It was doomed. But it became Batman Year One, which was supposed to be directed we by Darren Aronofsky. an entire show on scrap Batman projects. Seriously. Well, yeah. So we Batman, year, scrap man. <laughs> Batman Year One was going to be directed by Darren Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was shut down. And they hired uh, uh, this other fellow. Um, Boaz Christopher oh, Nolan. Oh, he's who, probably on your who eventually, made a, as well. who eventually made a Batman Begins movie. Sure. Yeah, but so Batman <laughs> Begins could have been Boaz Yokin. You kind of oh. lost the name there at the end, but we, we don't talk about <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on to round three. Round Let's do three. It. What do you have? I chose Henry Selleck <gasps> and what? The Nightmare Before Christmas. Hold on. My heart hurts because of this choice. I I also would say he may be a no-hit wonder, oddly enough. What? Because people forget that he directed a nightmare the nightmare before Christmas. People he think still it was directed it though. He did. He did. So Nightmare Before Christmas uh, was directed by Henry Selleck, but it came from an idea from Tim Burton. Yes. And everyone thinks it, it literally says in the title, Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton wrote, wrote a poem and gets all the credit. For, for okay, okay, Henry okay. Selleck's Hold on. work. But he does so much creatively. Behind the scenes, Henry Selleck does so much and he has, has done so much for Stop 13 Bam. IMDb credits yes. to his name at no. four feature films and no. one in production. No, yeah, four. Night Before Christmas was his first one. Then okay. James and the Giant Peach. Okay. Which is great. Then uh, Monkey Bone. Uh, okay. It's awesome. Then Coraline. Coraline's great. Coraline's good. Not great. It's nope. great. It's not horrifying. Great. It's it is very it was very cool 3D animation when I saw it in theater. Have you seen it recently? Uh part of it recently. The storytelling is, is messed up. What does Joel do during brackets? Boo! Woo. No, hit Wonder Police. No. They got retired. No. Uh, <laughs> he is he's directing Zach's a movie accurate. called Wendell and Wild, which is coming out October 2024. So I could be proven wrong by the end of the year. And Night Before Christmas is his highest grossing movie by a long shot. Night Before Christmas is his highest rated movie on IMDb by a long shot. He got the job because he met Tim Burton while they were animating together at Disney. He they, he was an in-betweener, which is apparently when you uh, animate the scenes in between the important scenes. Yeah. Like it was actually kind of fascinating. I, right. that, that sent me down a whole Wikipedia rabbit hole just learning about that. Do you feel like the pairing works better than just having Tim Burton on that movie? Because what, Frank and Weenie is not a very good movie. No, I, I don't think it is. And uh, Corpse Bride so didn't the, quite work. The way Selleck described oh. it, he said, it's as though Burton laid the egg and I sat on it and <laughs> hatched it. He wasn't involved in a hands-on way, but his hand is in it. It was my job to make it look like a Tim Burton film which is not so different from my own films. Okay. And I feel like this, I mean, James and the Giant Peach, I don't really care for. It's a sleepy 
It's weird. Forgettable movie. It's just straight up weird. I like it. And Monkey Bone is awful. It's awful. Monkey Bone's terrible. Absolutely awful. I just saw that one recently for the I, first time. I wonder I like, if that Why? was his like, oh, you're not allowed to do any sort of live action anymore. So it with that. Yeah. But then, Coraline? No. Other Mother? I, so scary. Moments of goodness. But overall, I'm not a fan. Huh. And so I feel like, and, and no one, once again, I don't think people know that's Henry Selleck. Like it's not Henry Selleck's it, movies. Yeah. He barely is even known for this movie. Night Before Christmas. He's like, I'm not related to Tom, everybody. Yeah. Just letting you know. Disappointing. Different spelling. So yeah, I say Henry Selleck, Night Before Christmas, one hit wonder. All right. Can't. Buongiorno, Principessa. Oh. I chose Roberto Benini. Yes, you did. Oh, yeah. no. I, did I just say his name? Did I just summon Roberto Benini <laughs> to the bacon game? Well, let me say it one more time. <laughs> Roberto Benini. Ah, oh. I'm here. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and I feel bad about this because he was like everyone's sweetheart for like a year. Well, because he was so adorable at the Academy Awards and didn't speak very much English, but no. jumped up on the seats and was so happy to win. And what kind of annoying, though. What did he direct? Life is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Life is beautiful for if, if you're around minor Joel's ages. This mm-hmm. is a movie late 90s when you're like, hey, you want to go to the theater and read subtitles for a really like beautiful movie? Could be a comedy. We don't know. We don't know. And then you go see it and you're like, oh, hey, I don't really want to go, but sure. And then you see it and you're like, why am I crying? I picked this for my Mount, my personal Mount Rushmore yes. of uh, World War II movies. Yes. Because this is, this is a straight-up Holocaust movie. Mm-hmm. It's a story about a family, World War II, all that sad and stuff. A father just trying to protect his child. And if you haven't oh, seen this so movie, it, it, see it now. I mean, it's granted, get ready for some, some laughs and some tears and some reading. Now, but he's made, he was a very popular director in Italy. He was. And in fact, he's still an icon So are you not Italy. counting his Italian works? Only his not American at all. Works? Let's count what counts. It's here in America. <laughs> Right. So he's made a lot of other stuff. For example, a lot of his older stuff like Johnny Staccino, The Tiger in the Snow. But I think he really, even though he was like really popular here and people fell in love with him, his follow up was Pinocchio. Yeah, where he played 50 years old. And he played a, a little wooden boy. Yeah. Not an animation. Right. Just with some makeup. Yeah. And it's so creepy. Yeah. And so everyone's like, you it know is is the one of the weirdest things. Yes, and it's it's dubbed, right? And, and that which makes, makes it, it even a little even bit stranger. Yeah. yeah, even though he won Best Actor, he starred, he wrote in Life Is Beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's never quite had the I guess cross. He directed yeah. crossover success that he did with Life Is Beautiful. No. Oh, by the way, he's earned ten honorary doctorates from universities from Italy, obviously Israel and Canada. Wow. Which I guess if you just speak at a graduation, <laughs> you can get an honorary doctorate. But also, even to this day, there's this thing called the Europe List, and it's the largest survey of European culture. And they said there are three films that detail European culture the best. And they are a movie called The Lives of Others, Amelie, Amelie. and Life is Beautiful. And now I see even to this others. day, this movie has an impact. I got to look up. What did your Lives covers come out? If it's compared to those two. It's uh, early 2000s. I'm going to put it in my queue. I don't know what it's about, so maybe not a recommendation quite yet but i feel bad because rated x <laughs> stop it he's such a charming man uh clearly there's talent there but i guess he just hasn't had the the crossover ability since then so roberto benini i think that's a good choice kent even though there's some italian listener out there being like oh, you're wrong <laughs> they love that accent though yeah, <laughs> it's one of the few sure. we can still <laughs> that's, do that's they're not gonna have any problem oh wait, we can still do italian accents yeah, apparently according okay. to the web internet according to chris uh, pratt next up is is the 
the director of Memento, okay. Christopher Nolan. I knew it. We did a I whole show. You we monster. Whole show on that. We did Memento and nothing else good. Oh, obviously. <laughs> you can even say Following was his best movie. Following. Yeah. It's not bad. No. Hey, I bet you haven't seen Memento. Work, work on that. Do that. Uh, no, mine is a director by the name of Hugh Hudson. Haven't heard of him. That no. makes sense. Hey, but he, well, hold on. Just start running. One Run for a second. You say one hit, I say one bore. You don't like Chariots of Fire? I like the song. It's inspiring. It's a good movie. It won Oscars. Two British track athletes, one a determined Jew and the other a devout Christian, are driven to win in the 1924 Olympics as they wrestle with the issues of pride and conscience. I'm a determined quarter Jew. Yes, you are. Oh, so this I think is one of those movies that, and maybe it is for specific key moments, but it it has become part of the general zeitgeist of pop culture, mm-hmm. right? It is is known by people, and maybe it's just because of the score. Maybe the score is what I think here. the score is with self. No, there's, it's a story about this, fellowship. It is, yeah, I, and and I think it's I don't know. I think this is a great movie, but the fact that uh, again they didn't go on to do anything else. Other projects uh, included. Hold on. Back up. Listen to this title. Gray Stoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. That's one word. That's one title. That's, that's the title. 1984, three years later. Wow. I bet I saw that in the 80s, probably <laughs> on a probably. Saturday morning. And then uh, I Dreamed of Africa in 2000. Heard of it? No. Yeah, it's by right. Toto. <laughs> I Dreamed of Rain. It's going to take a lot. Africa. I, again, you just so you put together one of the most epic movies of its time. Uh, and it, it, fine, you can call it. Maybe it's it's not the well, most thrilling. But even movies, that, but like it's, two it's stars. A, it's his, an all-time his forte was Oscar movies. It was dramatic right. films meant for the Oscars. Mm. Yeah, well, like uh, the, the I Dreamed of Africa. It's Kim Basinger. Right? Ah, I've got Kim Basinger. This is going to be an epic movie. It wasn't Barbara Eden. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> I Dream of Jeannie. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh, but again, I just it surprises me that a guy who could put together one again one of these all-time known movies just goes on to fall completely flat for the rest of his career. Yeah. It's just so confusing. And and really, that's all that's interesting about him. Do you Maybe think, it's boring. Do you think know. some of these directors are just like, you know, that's my legacy. I'm good. I, I, I'll be remembered. I well enough. Honestly, I hope with directors like that, that they kind of went, I achieved what I wanted to do. I'm good. Yeah, because here we are being like, they don't have a career anymore, or mm, they're dead. We're podcasters. <laughs> They've we made billions of dollars. <laughs> Thanks for this film, but nothing else. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. All right, Joel, what's your next? Is that our normal podcast voice? That's how Is I that talk people here. Off the air. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's true. Joel, what's your next one? One word. Yeah. Three syllables. Yeah. Ta Tonka. I'm saying oh, Dance of Wolves me. by Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner Kevin has directed Costner. three films. Dance with Wolves, his directorial debut. Yeah. And then he made The Postman uh-huh. uh, or Postman, depending yeah. how you want to say it. And then Open Range or Open Range, depending how you want to say he it. He kind of directed Waterworld. Kind of. Oh, yeah. Well, but not now. officially. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, okay. Hey, hey. hey. But Dance time with Wolves has been his highest grossing film well, out of those three. Time has been kind <laughs> to Waterworld. <laughs> Probably. Uh, and then Dance with Wolves, best rated on IMDb. So this was, he directed this one pretty much because no one else wanted to. Really? This novel was rejected by publisher after publisher after publisher, and it was finally got published, and he bought the rights almost immediately uh, because he wanted to direct this movie. He, the fact they shopped around trying to get money for it, and people weren't really interested in it, 
and westerns were considered you know kind of no longer viable because heaven's gate was such a huge flop in mm-hmm. the 80s so and it was a really long movie too and they're like no we're not gonna do it and he's like fine i'll do it myself that was my kevin costner impersonation that was pretty good and uh so he did and won academy award best picture people loved it huge grossing everyone loved it amazing movie and then what else I mean, yeah. he's acted. He has been plenty busy <laughs> since then. Sure. People are loving Yellowstone. But as a director, this is his one hit. I guess I thought he was a director for like 10 films just because of Dance with Wolves. You'd think so. Yeah. And, and like he, he did so many kind of similar to that too. Right. But no, this is his one hit. And it's, uh, I'm going to say Kevin Costner, one hit wonder. Do you still like this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Last time I saw it, I liked it. Right. I should watch that again as well. Add that to my list. I'll add it to your, are Thank you telling me to add yes. it to your list? Kent, my secretary, add Alexa, it to my list. Alexa, add it to the list. Kent, what is your next pick? Michelle Gondry. I feel like this is <sighs> a little wrong. It feels mean, and I'll tell you why. Is it cultural? What's happening? Because in 2004, a movie with Jim Carrey playing in a very dramatic role. And Kate Winslet. And Kate Winslet in a movie called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless oh, Mind. Oh, my darling. Was released. And oh, boy. This movie is my fourth favorite movie of all time. It's so good. I, so well done. It's great. I love this movie. It's, I think, perfect throughout. Yeah. Whether it's the way it's edited, the music, every, the, the way it, it ties together, the, the acting is amazing, the story is heartbreaking. The and ending, it's trippy. And it's, it's, trippy. It, it's so trippy. And that's the thing that Michelle Gondry does really well. He, along with like Spike Jones, Charlie Kaufman, it's all kind of that early 2000s school of, hey, we're weird. Yeah. <laughs> but Michelle Gondry, with this movie, he was like, I'm weird. But the story makes sense. And that's where I think this movie hits it, just right on the nail. Yeah, that's wonderful. It, it's, it's beautifully sad is what I call this movie. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. But, but Michelle Gondry has done so much with like music videos. He like, does. Okay. Pro- Prolific he has a, music videos. He has a whole director. string of music videos. Daft Punk, Foo Fighters, so Radiohead, Kanye West, pretty much everyone. Kylie Minogue. Uh, yeah. What else? Oh, man. There's so many that I like of his. He's a, he's a uh, fantastic music video he director. He also... It said he pioneered the bullet time concept in a commercial for vodka in 1996. Okay. It's actually a really cool looking commercial. Yeah, yeah. Before the Wachowskis? Three yeah. years before the Matrix. And uh, I watched the commercial. I'm like, actually pretty stylish. Yep. Hmm. Like he has an eye for style. He knows. It's almost like he's, he's like, I'm going to make a cartoon, but in real life. And he pulls it off really well. Uh, he won the Oscar for best original screenplay for Eternal Sunshine. His other movies, which I remember at the time because I was like, I like serious films, so I think I'd love saying Michelle Gondry. Not love Michelle Gondry. I love saying Michelle Gondry mm. and saying like, oh, I'd love his films. And then you see a movie like Be Kind Rewind. That was such a letdown. Be such a letdown. Rewind because the, the reenactments were great. That was a movie yeah. with Jack Black and uh, Most Deaf. Most Deaf. They, For, there they, are 11 minutes of beauty in that movie. They recreate scenes from movies from memory with low budgets. And yes. it is hilarious. But the rest of the movie was meh. And then he's like, hey, I'm going to make a couple other like... Indie ones like Mood Indigo, his most recent, The Science of Sleep, Microbe and Gasoline, The We and I. Like he's just making movies because he's like, look, I just had a dream and I'm going to film it now. But is but his big budget one? Yeah, The Green Hornet. Oh, with he Seth did the Rogen. Green Hornet. That was his. Yeah, I am the architect of your pain. <laughs> I don't see any fingerprints of Michelle Gondry in The Green no. Hornet. I like it. Wait, wait, uh, the movie? I like The Green Hornet. How come? I do. It's dumb, but I like it. I mean, it's okay. 
That's fine. But it's like a Seth Rogen action movie. Think about those <laughs> four words. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, yeah. has he made other movies in France? Like, he is French, yes? Yeah, he's made a few documentaries, and they're, they're international, so... Because I feel like his name is, is acclaimed. But yeah. with that list you just read off, I don't... I think, I think he just kind of... Videos. Uh, as far as, like, prominence goes, he disappeared in the... Well, he's made a movie since, what? I think 2013 was his last movie. Okay. I could be wrong there, but... Honestly, just kind of disappeared, especially from the zeitgeist. Wow. But still, it doesn't take away from my love of Eternal Sunshine. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. I only saw it for the first time recently, yeah. and it's it, beautiful. It's impactful. Really good. You don't forget it. Yeah. And I, I feel like you guys should also go look up Michel Gondry's uh, music videos. Totally. They, people have made playlists of them, which yeah. is all his music videos. They're fantastic. Just so visually good. spectacular. His eye for style is amazing. It's like a less scary David Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What yeah. a review. Yeah. Wow. You know who else is less scary than... I got no segue. <laughs> how about the director of Hugo? Stop, Martin, stop it. Martin Scorsese. Oh, what else it. has that guy done? Cinema. Nothing. I, I <laughs> he could, hates... I can make a case. Don't, Netflix. You know, your case would be wrong. What would your case be? I, I think he's overrated. I, he does like I monster think, movies. I actually really considered him for this list. And all, I was joking around. And I was like, well, he, everything he's done is like, that's iconic. But is it good? Yes. Is it? Literally. Yes. Yeah. What did he do after Taxi Driver? <laughs> Every <laughs> and was Taxi Driver that good? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. He's he's get a little boiled right now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know this is a joke. Hold on, can I'm, I be clear? I, I feel like I'm becoming Joel. Like I'm like I don't like your joke, but I'm like taking it to Hold anger on. levels. Hold on, let me Mar- see here. Martin Scorsese. Okay. okay. No, I like I like he's not a wonder. I like no. He's made multiple. Oh, that was not a question. I had Joel? to look. I had to look. <sighs> okay, my next one is weird, and I want to have a little discussion. Why is the Sandlot good? As you guys know, I've seen this movie very recently. Watched for it the first two time. weeks ago. I just watched it yeah. for the first time. As an adult, never seen it before. I really enjoyed it. I actually think it's not well made, but the charm in the the feelings of Americana are yeah. there, right? Because I watched it while an outdoor screen yeah. two weeks ago in Idaho, small town Idaho, sure. and I'm like, this is perfect. And then the voice voiceover came on. I was like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah, the editing's bad. The the kid actors are kid actors, right? I can't really fault them too much. No. But then you know it's how like, you were just feeling a second ago about Martin Scorsese? That's how I'm feeling now, Ken. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> Am I killing you, Smalls? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, it's, I don't think it's a very good movie, but you still can't feel heartwarmed by it. Because that's what I'm starting to wonder. I go, well, why is this a good movie? Because it was directed by a man named David Mickey Evans. Yeah. Uh, who, you know, in 1993. Is he, he one the of the monkeys? <laughs> yeah. three of them. David three Mickey yeah. Evans. <laughs> yeah. And Evan. But, <laughs> Evan but, the monkey. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Here's his other projects, or some of them. Uh, he directed 1996's uh, First Kid with Sinbad. Who's oh. playing a Secret Service agent? Yeah, terrible. I remember that yeah. poster. Ba- <laughs> I have actually. So you walked by the blockbuster once. Yeah. Weirdly okay. enough, I have seen First Kid probably a dozen times. You've seen First Kid more than you've seen. I was the six when it came out, Joel. <laughs> um, he, I want to be First Kid. He directed Beethoven's Third and Beethoven's Fourth. Wow. Uh huh. And TV movie Ace Ventura: Pet Detective Junior. So he's made a lot of crappy kid movies. Yeah. Why is The Sandlot not one of those? Because as you're saying, Kent, it kind of is. Mm -hmm. What? Why does it? Quality wise, it is. But somehow the magic is there. I can't explain it. Yeah. Yeah. It it has that lightning in a bottle thing where you feel nostalgia for a time you weren't even alive. Yeah. And and it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I have to think, is it because it actually is magically well made or they just... 
They just uh, said it correctly. They just got really interesting kid actors. I no, it just I, reminds you of a better time. I think it's the amazing animatronics they have on the dog. Oh, <laughs> that actually, I love that. Like, it's so funny. CGI. It's, it's Witty Peppercorn. By the way, that movie is really lusty, actually. It is. It is. Yeah. For, for being the Sandlot. <laughs> I was like, this isn't okay. So so were you at that age. <laughs> and now. Okay. So I, I, this one's more of an... This guy didn't make it that good of a movie, even in the Sandlot. But we're sitting here thinking... But we're still talking about it's, it. It's, I love it. Right? Though. Not that well made of a movie. It's amazing. Again, I just watched it a couple the weeks Sandlot ago. And I loved it. It's like a ballpark dog. No, it's not gourmet, it's not good. but it's satisfying. It's, it, it just fills you up. It, in, That's about in it. that environment, it is satisfying. So my my weird kind of uh, strange pick for this one, but it, it is a guy who just apparently got insanely lucky because he had a career ahead of him of making crappy kid movies. Mm-hmm. One of them turned out to be a classic. Yeah. But he got to work with Sinbad, too. You know, that's like meeting Natalie Portman. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that was his chance, right? He does the Sandlot in uh, 93, and then he gets to do a bigger budget Disney movie, mm-hmm. and it did nothing. Sure. Yeah. It tried to capitalize off of the great success and popularity of Sinbad in the mid-90s and didn't really go anywhere, and he never made a name for himself. Yeah. Sinbad needs to come back. Is he still alive? About that. He had like a TV show for a while. Like in the 90s? Uh, no, like recently about his, like a reality show. He did? Yeah. Hmm. I think he's gone through some stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> All right. So what our you- final picks. So my final pick, I called this one because you guys brought it <sighs> oh, up. Yeah, I'm like, I want yours. that one. I want that one. Yeah. And it's a perfect choice. And it's one that I feel bad. Nope. Saying. You're, this is the second time you're wrong. But I'm going to say Jared Hess directing Napoleon Dynamite. Boo. Because <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite is one of my favorite comedies. It's one that I can watch almost any time and get almost the same enjoyment I did when I saw it for the Still? first time. Still. It, to me, it's Austin Powers. No, but the thing is, Ken, it's got to the point where it was so quoted Jay back Roach, in the day. one hit wonder? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's, the jokes have kind of been stopped being used so much, and the mm-hmm. quotes have finally been stopping you so much, that you watch it again, and it feels almost fresh. Okay. Again. Uh, Now, Jared Hess has 16 directing credits on IMDb. He's made five feature films, Napoleon being his feature film debut. Sure. Then you get Nacho Libre. Mm -hmm. Then you get Gentleman Broncos. Then you get Don Verdine. Then you get Masterminds. Can we talk about the conversation we had on Facebook Messenger when we were talking about Jared Hess a little bit? Being like, (laughs) oh, yeah, he might be a one-hit wonder director. And then, Zach, what did you do? I just sent a gif of Jack Black. As? As Nacho Libre. Which Joel said, thanks for proving the point. No. <laughs> I made one good movie. So is that uh, wrong to say in Utah? I know Nacho Libre is one of those like, oh, it's like Italian job. I love it so much. And it's like, it's not very good. I feel this though. that this It's fun. It's quotable. That this movie, Napoleon Dynamite, had the same effect as The Matrix because the second film that Jared has directed was, was Nacho Libre. And that is his highest grossing film with $99 okay. million. Dollars. Mm-hmm. It also had star power. Napoleon yes. Dynamite only had $46 million. 46 million. So this mm. shot up, but then neither Gentleman Broncos nor Don Verdine even cracked $200,000 at the box Wait, office. 200000 200000 uh, have, have you met anyone that's like Gentleman Broncos? You know, uh, yeah. I've cut off all relationships with anyone so, who even someone, hinted that. Someone burned me. It was actually Chad from the radio station. He burned me a DVD of just his handwritten Gentleman Broncos. And he said, and I said, dude, I've never wanted to watch that. He goes, you should watch it, man. And I go, I, please no. It, this came out four years ago. And he goes... Watch it at 2 a.m. And I was like, what did you give me? <laughs> it was just Gentleman Broncos. You know yeah. you know who's in that movie? 
Jermaine Clement. Yes, he is. From Flight and Sam Rockwell. And yeah. Sam Rockwell. I, so that's Jennifer the thing, Coolidge. Though. Like, Jared Hess is almost like. The, Why do I get so excited about Jennifer Coolidge? I don't know. <laughs> she's, she's funny. <laughs> well, like but the, she's like the M. Night wow. Shyamalan. <laughs> you guys know that harmful relationship I have with M. Night Shyamalan where yeah. I, I, keep, I keep getting my hopes up and keeps letting oh, me down? I remember this. That's the same with Nacho Libre, where I was like, oh, another one. Not that good. So the gentleman Broncos. Oh, another one. Not that good. Masterminds was on exactly. my list for most anticipated. We started Bacon Cell. We're like, hey, welcome to it's Bacon Time. Welcome to Bacon Cell. What should we talk about? And Joel's like, guys, I'm really excited to see Masterminds. We're like, really a Jared Hess movie? This is like episode one, right? Something like that. It's right. Near the <laughs> and beginning. then it didn't come out for like a couple of years. Then we saw it. We never mentioned it. I think even when it came out, it was so bad. Yeah. And and. I just, I keep being like, oh, maybe this, even I know there are people, there are Nacho Libre apologists out mm-hmm. there. I know that. And I actually just watched Nacho Libre recently because I was like, you know, I'll show it to the kids. Maybe it's more fun watching it with children. And it was not, like, it's likable. Yeah. But not, gr- gr- like, great, not good. And so I had a hard time with that. Now, I feel bad because I do, I like Jared Hess, like he's a he's a BYU alum. He's mm-hmm. you know they him and his wife are a filmmaking duo. Like have you seen Austin Land? I haven't seen Austin Land. It's good. Yeah, that's by his oh, wife. That's Brit, Brit's in it. Oh yeah, Brit McKenzie. Yeah, isn't Jennifer Coolidge in it as well? She is as well. Hey. Yeah. And Carrie Russell, who's divine. Can we had and a Jennifer Coolidge show. No. <laughs> well, and even like John Heater, like this isn't the actor show, but even John Heater, I I knew him from BYU. I met him. He was a. a, a Did everyone lab. hate him, Joel? No, he was very tell nice. Tell the truth. No, I'm hiding like, my hand. You I can saw, tell the truth. No, I he was nice. <laughs> I, I saw Palooka, the film that Napoleon Bonnet was based on at a film festival. I enjoyed it. I talked to him about it. And I feel like, well, by the way, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was originally, like they tried to get one oh, casting uh, director. It's directed. pronounced Gyllenhaal. <laughs> this is Bubble Boy territory, though. That's but where Jake were, Gyllenhaal was. They were was. suggesting him to be the main character. And then Jared Hess said, no, no, I want John Heater, my buddy, who has me holding this. Oh, wow. Now, uh, Jared has, he directed that docu-series Murder Among the Mormons, which is actually pretty good. Really yeah. good. Like we said, we're only talking feature films here. Right. And then, but here's the thing, guys. I think his career may be saved. Uh, uh, Jared has, I may be proven wrong, because it was announced that he is going to direct the film adaptation of Minecraft with Jason Momoa wait, wait, starring. Wait. Hold on. This is not a Zach joke. This is legit. Is this a Joel joke? This is not a Joel joke. I don't know what to think anymore. He's going to direct so, Minecraft hold on, hold on. with Jason Momoa. It, is Jason Momoa on Block Farm? I don't understand. <laughs> I, don't I feel know. sick. He's a creeper. <laughs> for the record, <laughs> for the record, clarifying, a Zach joke is a, is a dumb fun fact. A Joel joke is what I've been telling this whole show. Oh, so it's a lie. A different, ah. Yes. Now, we, now we've established there that. We but yes, that's my final pick. Jared Hess, Napoleon Dynamite. I do want Jared Hess to succeed. This is not like, oh, ha, ha, ha. I'm, I don't, I know, I kind of feel bad that he's only had that one hit and none of him have been able to achieve that same greatness. But uh, Minecraft is going to make $2 billion. You think so? Think about the Minecraft community, Joel. Think about video game adaptations, Kent. Minecraft isn't even a video game, it's a building simulator. <laughs> it's Legos, but without, Virtual Legos. without breaking your thumb. Kent, what's your final pick? It's hard to pick. I have a few, but I also want to give them in alternates if that's okay after we're all yeah, done. After all is all that okay? That. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then I have to go with like a heart choice. Sure. And uh, Joel, you would call this guy a no hit wonder. <laughs> but I would also agree with that because this movie didn't make any money, but it was has become a cult classic. Joel, you hate this movie. It's Richard Kelly with Donnie Darko. 
I, I knew, knew you'd movie. pick this one. I kind of had to it. because I knew you would. I, I'm like the uh, you know the indie kid uh-huh. over here. Like I'm like oh Donnie Darko, Cellar Door. I, I, I had it on my list. Just I think you're gonna say Fight Club. That's David Fincher. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Zach, I, Martin <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to think anymore. But Richard Kelly, like I saw this movie. And I saw it on DVD, and that's where it became popular because people are just like, hey, have you seen Donnie Darko? No, what is it? Uh, it's a weird movie to watch with your friends late at night. It's a trippy time travel movie with a freaky bunny. With with Jake, what's, how do you pronounce his last name? Gyllenhaal. It's Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. And Maggie, what's her last name? Gyllenhaal. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a male-female kind of thing. It's, it's a different conjugation. You know, masculine and feminine. He does this thing where, like, you can see the potential of this director. And even though the movie is not super smart there's so much potential in donnie darko i knew like, you were gonna pick this This one. is like yeah. a moody director that's going to make a masterpiece someday and then he went on to make southland tales which is a um political commentary on the military no it's the rock oh. sean william scott and sarah michelle geller oh and it's just a series of vignettes it's like here's the killer's music video right in the middle with justin timberlake singing you're like, what? what? This What's sounds going like a David Lynch movie. It, it actually feels like a poppy David Lynch movie. I love that David Lynch is now our standard bar for, yeah. for weird. Um, and so Southland Tales failed. And I was like, that's okay. That's okay. Maybe if I watch it three times, because remember, I'm still at this age. I was 25. I'm like, if I watch it three three more times, I'll understand it. I never never did. Never cared to. Donnie Darko or Southland Tales? Uh, Southland Tales. And then he made The Box, which is based on... Oh, a Richard Matheson story. Is that the one with Cameron Diaz? Yes, and James Marsden. It's a Twilight Zone esque story. Good setup, terrible execution. Yeah, truly, and that's what it is. And he was really passionate about it. He's like, look, this will be a very successful, you know, PG 13 horror film. And wow, it just failed miserably. And that is the last movie he ever made. It was 2009. What's the box? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, get, I get that one like a 1.5 stars. Oh, yeah, it's not it's good. It's not good. But like, in a, like I'll say that again. Donnie Darko has become a cult classic because of the DVD, but it wasn't like this huge box office earner. It was just among nerds. It's great. And so uh, Empire Magazine gave it number two on their 50 greatest independent films of all time list behind Reservoir Dogs. And so, like, people see this in a, in a really big like Kevin Smith. Oh, Quentin Tarantino. He could be on this list, too. Oh, my word. No. Uh, so Kevin Smith, who he could be a one-hit wonder he as could well. Be a one-hit wonder. Smith, that's I'd maybe give him two hits, like one and a half. Chasing Amy. No, not Chasing Amy. I like Mallrats, even though it's dumb. Clerks. And Clerks would be his big yeah. hit, though. But yeah, Kevin Smith said of Richard Kelly, he's insanely creative and is not unlike Christopher Nolan. But Nolan wound up in the Warner Brothers system where he got special handling, and he got a lot of money to make huge art films like Inception. Richard can be one of our greatest filmmakers. He said this a few years back. He is right now, but a lot of people don't realize it. He's still a kid, and someone just needs to Nolan that kid. So no, someone needs to give him a big budget and maybe a little TLC. I think the potential was there, but we haven't seen it in 20 years, which is pretty sad. He's now kind of been like, everyone's like, hey, it's been 20 years since Donnie Darko. What's next? And he's like, um, I'm waiting to do my own movies. I need some funding, but you know what? Maybe I'll go back to Donnie Darko. Like, he didn't have anything to do with the sequel that was direct video, but he said he may eventually come back to the world of Donnie Tarko. And mm. I think it's probably a bad move. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like done, right? It's a good standalone thing for the time it came out. And that's about it. Yeah. I don't believe in sparkle motion. Who do you think is my pick? Let's be honest. Uh, hold on, hold on. Um, is he an overrated actor, overcast actor? Hey, it's now. The direct, it's the director of 2004's The Terminal. 
It's Steven Spielberg <laughs> who's directed the terminal. I like that you brought up the terminal though. and nothing else. <laughs> the terminal is this good movie. <laughs> that, that's it's, that's it, his one hit. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. No, it's the man who's starring in the terminal. Oh, he did the uh, terminal. This is Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, the actor. Tom Hanks, the actor, has been Tom Hanks, the director, uh huh, twice. And so only, it's much like Kevin Costner. Only Very one of few those, films. Yeah. He hasn't done it much. Now, he has been involved in a lot of projects. I think Tom Hanks, honestly, as a producer, right? he has a lot more impressive credits. But yeah. as a director, he's really only done two things, which is Larry Crown in 2011. Which Julie Roberts. I remember the poster. I remember, I remember it, seeing it in Redbox it. and passing by it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And then 1996 is That Thing You Do, a movie about one-hit wonders. Kind of perfect, actually. It was appropriate to end on yeah. this one. Yeah, I often um, wonder why he directed that one, you know? I, I don't know. Maybe he just really had a, I don't know, passion like for passion the time for it, right. frame. Yeah. Right? So uh, if you haven't seen that thing you do, fix that. But it is uh, a local Pennsylvania band scores a one-hit wonder in 1964 and rides the star-making machinery as long as they can with lots of help from their manager. You just brought this one up recently. What show was Comedies. That? Comedies. Comedies. That's it. right. It's one of my favorite movies. It has a charm. It's well-paced. I, honestly, it's, it's a, again, a I think as far as a movie, it's really well put together. I think it's well directed, or they just got lucky with the cast. I don't know, but uh, you you think again, nineteen ninety six. This is peak Hanks time, right? Yeah, he's had you know uh, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, but he hadn't done Saving Private Ryan yet. He probably was working on it. Who directed that one? <laughs> uh, probably the not. director of the terminal. Oh, wow, uh, the, uh, the director of the terminal. Yeah. Crazy. No, I. So it this was David is, Fincher. <laughs> David Lyncher. <laughs> uh, so with that thing you do, it it thought it was going to be like a well, this guy's multi talented. He's going to be able to do it all, mm-hmm. and then he doesn't make another movie for fifteen years. And Larry Crown is mediocre as a movie. Do you think that soured him on directing? Like he's like that wasn't well received. Maybe well, I mean, it's not worth my time. I, I never have made a uh, feature film in Hollywood. Never. What? Sure. I know. Believe it or not, home movies. But though, I do I'm feel sure like, you've made a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actors have it much more cushy than a director, right? Because the director has to be there from beginning to end, calling all the shots, making a bunch of decisions. Whereas the actor shows up, does their lines, and walks away. Mm-hmm. It seems to me an actor would do a director thing. It was like that was a lot of work and that was stressful. I'm just gonna go back to being told what to do. Sure. I would like to see Tom Hanks direct instead of act at this point. Yeah. I mean, again, he's he his producer credits he can on IMDb. Gran Turismo. <laughs> I would love that. The next Fast and Furious. Yeah. His producer credits on IMDb are are uh, numerous. Sure. He's done a lot in that space. Well, um, it's but, because he and his wife, uh, um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Playtone label. Oh, yes. Is what they started calling it after okay, that thing you cool. do. Uh, the record company in that thing you do. Um, Tom Hanks' first directing credit is an episode of Tales from the Crypt in 1992. Which episode what? does it say? None but the Lonely Heart. Can they're both going to Google this? See <laughs> if we know the plot of this one. While they're Googling that, uh, he also directed an episode of uh, the TV show A League of Their Own, an episode of the TV show Fallen Angels, an episode of From the Earth to the Moon. See, none of these things really ever took. And then he did direct one episode of Band of Brothers, uh, prior to doing Larry Crown. And that's it. That's everything. So a couple of episodes of TV. And that's Okay. It. This was the first episode of Tales from the Crypt I've ever seen, actually. Really? It was on Saturday nights on season, Fox 13. Season 4, episode 1. And uh, my dad and I just went to a gas station, got some corn nuts, penny candies, and uh, Coke, and started watching this Tales from the Crypt together. I was 13. Is this episode, and it was 
horrifying. It's about a guy who marries older women for their money okay. and then kills them, obviously. Yeah. And then they all come back from the dead. Save for a Toast in the Crypt show. Yeah, it's really scary at the end. <laughs> Directed by Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I like him now. That's so <laughs> Now, I, I think it's totally fascinating that he didn't go into that. And I wonder if later in his career, when he's done playing every prominent American person, sure. that he would go into this. He hasn't done George Washington yet. We're still waiting for that. Oh. Uh. Th- does that have all the infinity stones and then he's done? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Please end it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I would like to see him try again. Yeah. Now, I, I know that we all had alternates just in case our pick got stolen. So I'm just real quick. I'm going I'm to read through a couple of mine. You guys are welcome to show sure. yours yeah. as well. Yep. Uh, one I picked was Mel Stewart, the director of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I saw that list. Huge yeah. hit. Uh, he has 54 directing credits, uh, seven feature films. But Willy Wonka, uh, that's the one everyone knows him for. It is. And then I got uh, Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez directing the Blair Witch Project. What a smash. Uh, yeah. Between, did they, how much did they direct, though? No, They're just like, hey, um, shove the camera in your face. No, they had they had scenes, and the, the dialogue was improvised, but they knew where it wanted it to go, and they'd give direction afterwards. So between my, the two of them, they have... Conceptually, the movie works. The yeah. acting, not so much. No. Yeah. Between the two of them, they have 35 director credits on IMDb. That's yeah. you know, What a bummer. And uh, you, you look at them, and they both kind of direct these kind of off-budget horror movies. Yeah. Uh, Neither one, none of them have. Usually, horror directors go into much bigger things. Yeah. And then my last uh, kind of backup pick was uh, Penelope Spheris, who directed Wayne's World. Hold on. Go ahead. There's something else of hers that I like. I know. And that's one of the reasons she was my backup, because I'm pretty sure that you like uh, dudes. That's a movie she directed. I, do, I like dudes? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> hey, you guys are great. So she has 18 directing credits, uh, 11 of those being feature films. She directs a lot of documentaries, apparently. Those those are more successful than her actual movies, most of them. Okay, who, what else do we got? She, but she directed, after she directed Hollywood Vice Squad and Dudes, then she directed Wayne's World, but then she directed The Beverly Hillbillies, Little uh, Rascals, and Black Sheep. Okay, Black Sheep. Black Sheep. <laughs> these are all, I actually, these look, are all I like, like Little Rascals. Sure. Like but even then, that's like I did. I didn't put her on my list because I'm like, because eh, even that I was. These like, are '90s paycheck movies, basically. Yes, they were. None of these were huge hits, mm-hmm. but I know people love Little Rascals. I know people. Some people even love Beverly Hillbillies, and some people like the off-brand Tommy Boy Black Sheep. Yeah, is that with the guy from all the commercials? Uh, yeah, Ernest. No, 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 no. Beverly Hills. <laughs> no, that's, no. Yeah, he, oh yeah, yeah. He's Jim. Jim Varney is the main guy in Beverly Hillbillies. Okay. Yeah, I, I have seen this movie. Yeah. And it's fine, but I, I just think she never achieved the the paramount of Wayne's World that she did. So those are my three backups. I also did have Neil Blomkamp. You stole that one. Yeah. Yeah. So a few of my alternates, I have Ruben Fleischer, which may or may not count. So Ruben Fleischer directed Zombieland, which, yeah, sure, it was yeah. post-Shaun of the Dead. But while wow, Zombieland was so cool. It was a lot of it's fun. It's so fun. And then, you know, 10 years later, he's like... Uh, uh, Zombieland Double Tap. It's the same jokes again. Yeah. And so really mediocre, but he did Gangster Squad, 30 minutes or less. Oh, I remember those. Uncharted from I, this past I year. I remember those posters. And then, this is why it may not count, Venom. Ruben Fleischer, <gasps> directed Venom, which made $856 million. But it is not Bacon Cell approved. That's why I'm saying it's not quite a hit. Yeah. But yeah, Zombieland would be like, oh yeah, good director. Oh, the the, the rest though. I think he's got a, a future ahead of him though. Still, I, I don't think he's. I know. I think he's used yet. it up. I don't know. And then I chose a weird one, a Rod Daniel, who directed Teen Wolf. 
Okay? <laughs> and I'm saying Teen Wolf is good here, okay? That Go with is, me. For, for, we speak it's still approved on the werewolf yeah. show. <laughs> and then his other movies were, and Zach, I know you talked about Beethoven's third and fourth. Beethoven's third. Rod Daniel directed Beethoven's second, which oh. is still okay because it's got Charles Grodin. <laughs> Quick, who did the first? We need to have the be- <laughs> Beethoven. I'm pretty run. sure. Wasn't that. Look uh, it up. Look it up. No, wasn't that. Uh, what's his name? Brad Pack, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, John Hughes. Yeah, John Hughes. Wasn't it John? No, he. I think it was Christopher Columbus directed, but he wrote it. Okay, I, I'm guessing. Here. I think so. If only there was a way to find so out. So Beethoven's second. He also directed K Nine. Brian Levant. What directed Beethoven? Yes. Oh, why do we expect to be a good director? Why did I think it was Christopher <laughs> Columbus? Because John Hughes wrote it. But anyway, okay. I knew John Hughes was attached to it somehow. So he directed the movie K Nine, the one with John Belushi. K Nine yeah. is like the Kirkland, Turner, and Hooch. Yeah. Yeah. Not K911, though. No. That's not good. Oh, okay. I didn't like K9. And then Home Alone 4, the one with French Stewart. My gosh. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, not 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 super great. And then this is like in a sense. What was, what was his hit? Oh, it was uh, Teen Wolf. Okay. We got through so much bad, yeah. I couldn't remember the good. Here's a mean one George A. Romero, Night of the Living Dead. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. He did The Crazies, he right? Created, the Crazies is a cult classic. But he launched the modern zombie, and I, I respect him for that. But the only really good movie he made was Night of the Living yeah, Dead. Yeah. And then it became Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead. Like it's like, None of it was good. It's, it's a one note thing. People love Dawn of the Dead, but they're also. Save you know, our George A. Romero show. Yeah. But I think, man, he came out swinging with Night of the Living Dead, the pinnacle zombie movie. Yeah. And that was it. Zach, do you have any alternates? That's a good pick. Why didn't I pick that one? Yeah. Um, so as I think I mentioned previously on my list, uh, Richard Kelly, but I knew you'd pick him uh, for Donnie Darko, Neil Blomkamp. I think well, that's all of us. Yeah, yeah, we Blomkamp. also that one. Um, and then this one kind of looks like it doesn't count. I know. I think you guys think this movie is overrated, but uh, the director of the artist, Michelle Hazanavikis. I like yes. the artist. Yeah, it's fine. Um, he's really hasn't done anything since then, but. It's a kind of a technicality because he has a long list of French names mm. on his movies. Maybe he's popular over there, but hasn't <laughs> Maybe. done anything of note. <laughs> Not America. Here. Um, speaking of America, <laughs> Tony Kay, who directed American History X. Oh, yeah. Uh, and nothing else that you'll want to watch. Yeah. Like, I, so make this big splash American of this movie. American History X, so well made, heartbreaking, a one-time watch. Very difficult I've movie. Yeah. Oh, well, Don't worry about it. Like, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. The, like, one of the... I hear like, I, I, I was going to say my daughter, my four year old was trying to think she wanted to pick that for pizza movie night this week. <laughs> Maybe not. Should I say no? Hey, American history is in the title, Dad. <laughs> it has the letter X. It's it's the fourth of July. Yeah, and then uh, finally uh, Paul Brickman, who directed Risky Business, mm. and then Men Don't Leave, and nothing else. Okay, like he he made like, Tom Cruise into a made star. Made Tom Cruise into a star and, and couldn't background. be a star himself. Oh, most directors say. aren't. I, I would guarantee some of these names were thrown out. People are like, who? Yeah. Because, you know, directors only get the glory if they're like successful many, many times. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So there's our list. Let us know if we missed anyone. I mean, do you have an idea that do you have a, a pitch for who you think could be a one hit wonder director? Let us know on Facebook. Let us know on Instagram. Let us know on Twitter. We love hearing from you. Before we go, we'd like to give some love to our patrons, including the I Am The Listener group, which includes Sir and Madam Hicks, Shannon West, Sean Sanquist, Scott Sprague, Ryan and Marley, Rocky and Steph, Lady Terry A. Finley, Way Less Sad, Johnny English the Brick, Jennifer Kilkowski, Jake the Cooler King Swallow, Glow Clinton Daniel, Debbie Foster, Chris Drought, Casey Cummings, Braden Winterton, Angela Plotz, Andrew in the Dark, Alicia Bass, and Adam and Rachel Crump. And then we have our Bacon Council. 
Hey, guess who's on that? The one, the only Chris Anderson, Steven's everyone's favorite Ross, Star Wars expert Kyler, Spencer Pants Myers, our favorite couple, the Madsons, Nicole sitting in the Sin Bin Hale, Josh Hansen, Her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, Allison Gall, and Baker? Thank you, patrons. Thank you, patrons. We really do appreciate you. You keep the lights on here in the Bacon Cave and, and make it a lot easier to do what we do here at Bacon Cell. You're a hit with us. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76 Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with QuickWits. They perform at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's ShowtimeShowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at TumblingMustard. And guess what? If you message me on Instagram, I will answer approximately four days later. Thanks for that. Uh, but more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale. Like that Facebook page and visit at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram. While you're doing that, visit tpublic.com slash bacon sale where you can get yourself some awesome Bacon Sale merch. Um, I'm going to put out the plug for the pillow today. I have never seen anybody actually order a Bacon Sale pillow. If you have one, take a picture of it and uh, share it to me on social media or something. I don't know public.com slash bacon sale. And then if you like the show, you like what's going on here and you want to support us further, visit patreon.com slash bacon sale where support starts at just $3 a month. You can get all sorts of fun, exclusive benefits. You can know things about bacon sale that nobody else does except for the several other patrons who also listen to bacon bits that happen almost weekly. You can get a bunch of behind the scenes content. And uh, we had a great big old meeting about a bunch of other fun stuff to come. Watch that page. Patreon.com slash bacon sale. So until next time, oh, looks like I got a text from my agent. Bionic Biker Bacon Sale is back on. See ya, suckers. There was a lot of Zach validation, which I'm not comfortable I got, with. I got a kid on my side. Just all mayo centered. That's great. You're you finally have, saying your inside words out loud, boys. <laughs> you have mats but, on your side. No, but. Fun. is the best looking seizure on screen. I absolutely love You Can't Touch This and that is his big hit. I also like Adam's Groove. But it's the Havanaroni for Vanilla Ice. Yes. Okay. Chappie was like a ghetto robot that isn't Johnny Five. If I could drive a Jet Moto. Oh man, I'll Jet do Moto it too. I don't like these jokes because I suddenly I, I start believing you and thinking less of you. I've been cursed by the ghost of Henry Selleck. He's still alive. Well, let's count what counts. It's here in America. Rated X? You say one hit, I say one bore. I'm a determined quarter Jew. They don't have a career anymore, or mm. they're dead. We're podcasters. <laughs> they we made know more billions than them. of dollars. <laughs> Thanks for this film, but nothing else. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've just been kind <laughs> to Waterworld. <laughs> I'm the architect of Japan. It's like a less scary David Lynch. Then you know how like, you were just feeling a second ago about Martin Scorsese? That's how I'm feeling now, Ken. <laughs> I remember that yeah. poster. That movie is really lusty. So were you at that age. <laughs> and now. Oh, it's like Italian job. I love it so much. There are Nacho Libre apologists out there. I know that. It's Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. And Maggie, what's her last name? Gyllenhaal. Because I'm pretty sure that you like dudes. We want to hit you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Roberto Benini. Ah, I'm oh, here. here. <laughs> ah.